on Sunday, on Family Sunday, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> My wife will say, you're going to preach that on Family Sunday? No, she really, she, uh, she trusts the Holy Spirit in me to, to uh, preach what I'm supposed to preach. And, um, you know, I ended the series, the summer series, I call it the Church in Action, but I'm still in Acts. So if you're surprised, don't be surprised because Acts is an awesome book. And we need to know what the book of Acts says because that's the acts of the Holy Spirit that he used the disciples and the apostles to, to just transform the world with, change the world, turn the world upside down. And so here, here's the thing. When you, have, when, when you have real faith, you have a real response to that faith, that faith. And so this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 19, and yes, my wife is still not at home with me. She's, we are separated, but it's in a good way. She's with my daughter and, and my son-in-love and, and our grandson in Austin. Uh, well, you know, when your daughter calls and says, Mommy, I need you, guess what Mommy does? Mommy doesn't like to drive by herself, like in traffic or any long distances. We've been married 44 years, and basically I've driven, because we're always together, and I drive everywhere. And so Monday, we're like praying and setting her GPS, and I'm sending her off like I'm sending a child off to their first day of school. <laughs> but I know she's a very cautious driver because I know because she rides next to me. Can I get an amen from the men? <laughs> you see that car up there, honey, that's coming to that stop? Yeah, they're slowing. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> so... uh you know, it was, it was really, it was a great day that she made it to Austin all by herself. And, and I said, your mommy is gr- all grown up, Tracy. You know, so we had a little fun with that. Uh, but today I want to talk about something very serious. And I want the kids as much as possible to engage. And maybe for you, to, you'll see a little bit later in the sermon why I'm really wanting you to keep the kids engaged and to teach them later on because they may have some questions about this. Some of you may leave here and go, well, I've got some questions about that, and I may get some emails about this. I don't know. I'm just going to preach it, what God's laid on my heart to preach, and it's worked for 16 years, so I think God's he's faithful, right? So today I want to talk about real faith versus counterfeit faith. Uh, let me ask you something. Would you rather have a real $100 bill or a fake $100 bill? Would you rather have a real Rolex or a fake Rolex? What's a Rolex? <laughs> I remember going to New York. The first time I went to New York City, I heard about you could get those fake Rolexes. And, man, they look good. And they said, you know how you can tell a fake Rolex versus a real Rolex? I said, no, I'm, I didn't have a Rolex. I didn't even have friends that had Rolexes, you know. And they said, well, uh, the fake ones are going to go tick, 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 tick. You know, they're, they're a battery. And the Rolexes are wind up. You know, they're, they're smooth. You know, see, you know, so, but man, they were cool. And I bought two or three of them, just four of them. I think they were like 20 bucks a piece. And the real thing is like $10,000 a piece. So I was really good to my friends that gave them a fake Rolex. And uh, I'm sure they've kept them and they've got them behind a, you know, in glass somewhere and really proud of it. You know, that just counterfeit, the fake is not ever as good as the real deal. Um, I know growing up that I got a lot of hand-me-down clothes and I was appreciative of hand-me-down clothes. Anybody ever get hand-me-down second-hand clothes? And I was very appreciative, but if you asked me if I'd rather have the new suit, I'd rather have the new suit. But my cousin and I were about the same size, and his, he, he wore nice clothes. And so I was glad to get the nice clothes because they took care of him and all that. But I would rather, if I had the choice, you know, and I used to sell used cars. Used being the operative word. <laughs> Somebody else really used them. 
And most people drive used cars. Guess what? When you drive it off the car lot, you drive it around the block one time, it's a used car. <laughs> I'll be, oh, no, it smells new, but it's used. If you drive it back to the car lot and say, I want to trade it back in, they won't give you for it what they sold it for you. You understand that? So it's always better to have the real instead of the counterfeit. It's always better to have firsthand instead of secondhand. So this morning, we're going to talk about real faith versus counterfeit faith. And we're going to look at this uh, Acts chapter 19, beginning with verse 11. Because before you can understand the, the counterfeits, you, ne- you need to know the real. And the real deal was Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was the real deal. Wouldn't you agree? He wrote 13 books of the Bible. I mean, he lived what he, what he believed. He lived what he wrote. He lived what he taught. I mean, the guy was a, he was a surefire Christian. Nobody doubted his Christianity. Nobody doubted his faith. He was beaten for his faith. He was shipwrecked for his faith. He was, he was put in prison for his faith. Man, he never wavered on his faith. He was an authentic, real Christian. It says now, and now God worked. Now, the, the, the key there, there is that God worked these miracles. It says now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, can you imagine that? That just because, and, and they were more like sweatbands because when he would work in sweat, somebody somehow in, in Ephesus, because they were a very superstitious pagan, pagan nation, man, they just said, if we can touch that, and maybe it was by accident somebody had one of his, his sweatbands and, and laid it on somebody else and they got healed. I don't know. But here's the thing it, it was a point of contact. We never worship. They never worshipped. The Bible says they never worshipped the handkerchiefs. They didn't worship the aprons because God was the one doing the miracles. You know, some people say, well, I don't believe in the anointing of, and putting a cloth and all that. Listen, it's just a point of contact. But if you start worshipping the cloth, you're in trouble. We have what we call prayer coverings now. Our intercessory ladies have given away I don't know how many blankets, but they pray over these blankets. They anoint these blankets with oil. Much much of the time, it's myrrh or frankincense. They anoint these blankets. They pray over these blankets, and they give them away. How many of you have received a prayer blanket? Man, and people go, wow, I love my prayer blanket. You know what it is? It's not, you don't worship their prayer blanket. You don't go into the room and have it hanging on the wall. Oh, look, oh, look at the prayer blanket. I just love the prayer. No, it's a point of contact. It's, it's, a, it's like this. Oh, it's, it's covered up. You know, some people worship the cross. We're not to worship the cross. It's just a symbol of what Jesus did for us. We worship Jesus Christ. We worship the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can't nail him down. You can't. He's not an image that you can put, you can carve or anything like that. We're not to worship carved images or any other kind of thing that man can make, right? So Paul, he was, he was just working and he was doing his thing and God was blessing him because here's the deal. Because of his real, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, great things were happening. Miracles were happening. It's because he had an authentic faith. Now, look at verse 13. This is, gets really interesting. It's almost a real comical kind of story. There are several of those in the Bible. This is one of those. It says, then some of the itinerant, itinerant just means traveling. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, I just think it's kind of funny that we had a traveling exorcism show. I mean, really, was that was that a job? You know, the little wagon that would come through the town. Oh, it's the exorcism crew. They're coming to the town. This is what they did. It says it right here, doesn't it? They were traveling Jewish exorcists, and they took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those. They took it upon themselves. Y'all get that? To call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. 
Oh, that's pretty interesting. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva. Now, if you look up the word Sceva, the, the name Sceva, you know what it means? It means mind reader. Okay, and a Jewish, he was a Jewish chief priest who did so. So we've got this group of itinerant Jewish exorcists and Sceva and his sons, and they're all into this, in this boat together, and they're going to try to exorcise some demons out of some people. And they're going to do it by the, the, by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, not by, well, you'll get it in a minute. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you guys? That's the way demons talk. Who are you guys? Then the man in, the, in whom the evil spirit was, was leapt on them. He overpowered them. He prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This is PG-13. Naked and wounded. That was some bad demons. You understand this? Demons work in people. People that are demon-possessed do bad things. And these guys, the demons cause these men to jump these guys and beat the crud out of them and strip their clothes off, and they ran away naked. I think it's kind of comical. <laughs> I think it would be very embarrassing for your, you know, for your Jewish exorcism crew. And you drive, Here we drive. Oh, no, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> we change professions. This became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Oh, wow. And fear fell on them and all... And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Wow. These guys had no idea what they were doing. They had what I would call a counterfeit faith. They were trying to do something in the name of somebody that they really didn't know, but they knew somebody that knew somebody. That's what it says on the, on the one that Paul preached. They, they kind of knew about Jesus. Did you know there are people in our churches today all across this land? They're coming into churches today, and they kind of know about Jesus. They kind of have a faith. It's not real, but, man, they've kind of got something there, and they, they feel like if they show up that there's something good, that maybe maybe they're going to get something because their mama was a, was a Christian or their daddy was a Christian or they were a preacher or, you know, they, they, somehow, someway, they've got some of this rubbed off on them. You see, Jesus doesn't really just rub off on people and you get him by osmosis. You don't put your head on a Bible and get all the word. I knew guys in jail. They said, well, I sleep with my head on the Bible so I can get the word in me. I said, it don't work that way. They believed it did. So, you know, I just didn't argue with them. But osmosis, hmm, you know, learning the Bible. And so here, here are these people that are doing this with a second-hand faith, a counterfeit faith. And some Christians, maybe even you this morning, maybe you're here this morning, and you... At one time, you said uh, you walked an aisle, you got dunked in some water, something happened, but there was never a change in your life. And I want to show you in a minute, because when you have a real, genuine, authentic faith, there will be real, genuine, authentic results, change, repentance that will take place. And it won't stop. It won't just stop. One day, it just doesn't stop. And I know some of us, we, we quit listening, we quit walking with Jesus, we quit, we quit reading the Word. I know what it means to backslide. I know all those things. It doesn't mean you're lost. It just means you quit listening. But at one time, you had an authentic faith. And listen, if you've had that authentic faith before, then it needs to be reactivated in those of you that really had it at one time. Mm-hmm. 
It's funny that evil spirits recognize Jesus and Paul, but they didn't recognize these guys. You see, evil spirits want to stay away from the people that really know Jesus. They didn't care about these guys. Who are these guys? <laughs> well, we can take care of them. You get him, I'll get him. You get Skeva. <laughs> get the mind reader. We'll just, we'll just tear them up. We'll just tear them a new one, and then, then they, they can go on their way, and we'll keep, we'll keep demonizing this guy. You see, demons want to stay where they're at. They don't want to leave. Paul had this faith, such great faith, because of his intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that miracles were done even when he didn't plan on it. Somebody just got his handkerchief and laid it on some part of their body, and it was healed. That's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. James 2, 18 says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. See, I've heard this over and over and over again, asking somebody about their faith. Well, I believe in God. Well, I believe in God. Have y'all heard that before? How many of you have heard people say that before? Oh, I believe in God. Well, great, you're in good company with the demons. Because the demons believe in God. It goes way beyond a mind, a mind encounter with that, oh, I believe that there is a higher power. Somebody like, some people like that one. Some, some people believe, oh, I know that there's something out there. I know that there's, there's a man upstairs. Listen, if you call him that, quit calling him that. That's like I tell men, please don't call your wife your old lady. Women, don't call your husband the old man. You know what you speak is what you get. You call her an old lady, she can be old before her time. Then you're going to wonder, why are you so old? Well, you said that all my life. So if you say that and I hear you say it, <laughs> I, will, I will encounter you. <laughs> just don't do it. If you've been doing it, just repent, okay? It's just, it doesn't build up. It's a tear down kind of word. So we've seen real faith in Paul. We've seen the counterfeit faith in Sceva and his buddies, right? Now, I want you to see what happens when real faith is engaged in real, in real people. Look at verse 18. It leads to real repentance. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Would you say this with me? Real faith results in real repentance. You see it right here, don't you? You see God has come. Uh, the, the, the gospel has been preached, and people are really beginning to believe. And when the, real, when the real Christians, when the authentic Christ comes in, when the real Jesus comes in, it makes them want to change. It makes them have to change. They, they don't have a choice. They've got to do something about it. They had a change of heart. They had a renewed mind. And when those things happen, listen, it needs to be followed up by real action. Apparently, before the Sons of Sceva incident, many believers didn't know that they were involved in this thing called the demonic. You know, see, see, some people, they don't understand witchcraft. They don't understand that witchcraft is prevalent today in our, in our country and in our culture in a huge, huge, huge way. And they laugh at it, and they oh, witchcraft. That, you know, I, I don't practice witchcraft. Really? Because this morning, some of you may, to do it, may need to do a house cleaning. 
When they brought all these books, all their magic books into the heart of the city or where the town square, whatever it was, and they burned them, guess what? They didn't go and sell them. They, they got rid of them. I know people that like to do some house cleaning, they sell their, their bad things. Don't sell them. Burn them. We have an example here. 50,000 pieces of silver. You know what that would cost? You know what that would be like today? Uh, the one that I looked at when the commentators would be at least, at least a million dollars, but more than likely nowhere closer to $5 million worth of books. You see, they really had a commitment. They really had a commitment to change. So some of you, I'm just going to put this out here for you, and, and this is where I might get some calls. I might get some emails. That's okay. That's okay. I'll, I'll refer them to somebody else. <laughs> I'll send them to Ron Campbell. Yeah. There you go. Um, some of you may have movies that you need to get rid of in your home. Some of you may have statues that you may need to get rid of in your home. Some of you may have um, video games that your kids are playing that you need to get out of your home. Some of you might have music in your homes. Listen, I remember, I remember walking into my son's room, and he's not here today, so it doesn't matter. But I walked into his room one time, and I, I just got some CDs out of a drawer, and I looked at him and had that parental advisory. That's when that had just started. And I thought, what is that? And I, you know, I bought music, didn't have to have that, and Probably should have had that, but it didn't have that on it. And so I saw that parental advisory. And so I thought, well, I'll just listen to one of these. And I listened about a half of a song, and I got those CDs out. And every one of them that had that on it, guess what? They got broken. I don't care how much he had paid for them. It didn't matter to me. He paid for Well, I probably paid for them. <laughs> got rid of them. I said, how can you be listening to this stuff? Well, Dad, everybody. Li- no, we're not going to participate with that. And we had to cut some things out in our, in our we had to stop some things that, were, that we were allowing to have and happen in our house. We had, some, we had some pay channels that, you know, I used to think, well, this is okay. I get to watch some movies. And some of you are going to get upset. I know that. But there were some shows on some of these shows. And it was, it was the one that Comedy Def Jam started out. Y'all remember that? Comedy Def Jam. I had never heard language like that in my life. And people were listening to it and go, ah, that's funny. Wow, that's funny. And it was just saying all these crude, horrible things. I said, honey, we got to get rid of HBO. Some of you are going, ah, I'm leaving. But I'm, it's, not just, it's just not that. It's just the things that we allow in our homes, the things that are on your computer, the movies that we watch, the books that we read, all of these things invite witchcraft into your homes. Oh, no, 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 Pastor, I would never do that. Yes, you would, and you wouldn't even know it, just like these people. They had all these magic books. They thought, man, we can do some incantations. This is cool. But when Jesus came in, when Jesus came in, they brought their magic books to the middle of the city and said, we got to get rid of this stuff. They didn't have all the things we had, but they had some pretty bad stuff. Some of you don't think much. Some of you think, oh, it's okay to watch Harry Potter. Some of you think it's okay to get our kids involved in this. Oh, I want them to read every book in the series. Come on. Can we watch a video? This is a young girl that I, I looked this up on the Internet, on YouTube. I want you to see what this one young girl does. Kids, watch this. It's another video by me. I saw during my weekly videos because they weren't getting enough views. Um, so I'm hoping this will get more. Um, I, little information about myself, I love Harry Potter a lot, and so I'm here to teach you your first, second, third, fifth, sixth, and seventh year spells, including some others, um, 
reason why I do not have fourth is because it's mixed in with third a little bit. Uh, these are all the things that you learn in the real school of Hogwarts, and sometimes they will have you practice them over again or teach them again. So if you hear a double spell, don't worry about it. Um, but I'm here to teach you the first year right now. There will be seven other videos, one per year, except I guess there will be five other because there will be a total of six. No, there will be a total of seven, so there will be six others. Um, the first year spells you're going to start with, uh, first one you really want to know is Asio. I just said that wrong. Accio. Accio is a summoning charm. It summons a specific object to the wand uh, bearer. So, Accio, name of object. So, I'm not going to really perform these spells because that could be very dangerous and I could bring feet things in my house and it's against uh it can be against the rules if i'm in, living in a muggle world did y'all hear that she is teaching other kids how to cast spells and she's doing it based upon the harry potter series apparently there are like 10 that you can cast and she is actually saying that I, you shouldn't do this now but it moves objects in your home Harry Potter, oh, innocent, right? Did you know she has an agenda? Did y'all know that? Some of you are going, oh, it's just kid stuff. I want to tell you something. There were, I, when I looked at this site, she had 57,000 views. That means 57,000 souls, 57,000 children, possibly adults, were looking at this site and thinking, oh, that's cute. Let's do, some, let's do some incantations. Let's cast some spells. Let's do some charms. I remember one day I was uh, walking into Concho Manor, the big the, the, the high rise, and I was going to go eat over there. And there was a man that used to attend our church, and he was in the hallway, and he said, well, hello, Pastor. How are you? And I said, how are you doing? He said, I, I sure would like you to see my room. I said, okay. It was the ground floor. It was on the way to the restaurant. I said, okay, I'd like to see your room. And I walked into his room, and in, in, in the process of our conversation, he said, you know what? I, I like this place, but I just can't sleep well here. I said, you can't sleep good? He said, no. And I said, well, you might consider doing something about that dream catcher on your wall. Anybody know what a dream catcher looks like? I should have got a, a picture of it for you. A lot of people, oh, man, they're in all the stores. You just walk through some craft stores, walk through some uh, decor stores. Just look at them. They're all over the place. They're kind of circular. Got a little net on them, some feathers hanging from them. Oh, listen, they're all over the nursing homes. Promise you, you just walk through the nursing home, you'll see them on the walls. They're called dream catchers. So I did a little research on the dream catcher. And here's where dream catchers come from. It's the Ojibwe People, it's an, it's an ancient Indian tribe, and they had this legend about the dream catcher. And the storytellers speak of the spider woman known as Asibikashi. And she took care of the children and the people of the land, and eventually the whole nation spread to the corners of North America and it became difficult for this woman to reach all the children. So the mothers and grandmothers would weave magical webs for the children using willow hoops and sinew or cordage from plants, and the dream catchers would filter out all the bad dreams and only allow good thoughts to enter the mind. Doesn't that sound good? All the bad thoughts leave and all the good thoughts come. You know who we go to when we're tired, when we have trouble sleeping? You don't go to a dream catcher. You don't go to some pagan God. You go to Jesus Christ. You go to the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings comfort to us. 
And I told him, I said, listen, if you'll get rid of that, I think things will change. He got rid of the next day. It's awesome when people actually respond and go, okay, I'll get rid of that. I don't need that. And then the next time I saw him, hey, sleeping, the man, I was sleeping great. I said, well, that's a good thing that you got rid of that dream catcher. Some of you may have those in your, in your house, and you're going, oh, I'm just, I didn't know that, Pastor. But listen, now you know. Now you know. You've got to do something with what you know. Are the kids listening today? Some of you might have to help your parents. Sometimes kids get it before the parents do. Parents want to hang on to stuff, and kids say, I don't think that's good, Mommy, Daddy. That's not good. You know why I say that? Because people come to me and say, my house is is out of order. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to get your house in order, then one of the very first things you can do is not do a physical Windex cleaning, but a physical, spiritual cleansing of getting things out of your house that don't belong there. I cannot tell you how many homes that I've been into where they said there was demonic activity. And I said, let me see your DVD collection. And the very first thing I see in their DVD collection is, you know what? It's horror movies, one after the other, after the other. Zombie movies, one after the other, after the other. And you know what you're doing? You're what you're engaging your mind with when you do that? You're not engaging your mind with Jesus, I promise you. You're engaging your mind with the demonic. I know, oh, but horror stories is not a bad thing. Okay, there's, a, there's some alternatives out there. I'll tell you the real horror story is when the parents are falling apart and the family's falling apart. That's the horror story. James 2.26 says, For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Listen, if you've got an authentic faith, there's going to be an authentic repentance. You know what repentance means? It means just to change the way you think about something. It means that if you've been doing this, you've been engaging in that, and you know it's demonic, or now you know it's demonic, get rid of it. It is not worth your family. I'll never forget, and just in life groups a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, and I think some of you have heard this testimony. This is really going to get some of you, I know. I'm ready for my emails. This one family said, my, our son is just acting out. There's just, it just seemed like it's crazy. I, I don't know what to, I don't, we don't know what to do. He won't sleep. And my wife had a word of knowledge. My wife said, I don't know where this comes from. She said, I just heard the word Pokemon. And you should have seen his eyes. He said, that's crazy. He said, I walked in today for the very first time I saw my son playing with Pokemon cards. You know what Pokemon means? Pocket monster. Pocket monster. See, you think, oh, that's innocent. It's just a little game. But God, listen, the enemy is sly. He's deceptive. He comes in. He sneaks in. He doesn't come in boldly. Hey, Pokemon's a monster. You don't, man, he is mean. No, he doesn't do that. He says, Pokemon's cute. Dream catchers are pretty. Harry Potter is just, oh, it's just fantasy. And I could go on and on and on and on, but you're getting the idea, aren't you? If it's not of God, listen, you need to get rid of it. And for some of you, that means a lot of other things. And they may even look like good things. But God says, no, your focus is not on me anymore. It's been on those things. And your authentic faith will bring you back to ground, to the ground where you're supposed to be, the rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And finally, I want us to look at verse 20. I love this verse because I, 
I did a little study of it. I mean, I just picked it apart a little bit. Now, after all this happened, Paul, handkerchiefs, people getting healed, Stephen and his sons all getting stripped naked and, and, and run out of town, you know. And then all of a sudden, the, the word of the Lord was, it was becoming powerful in the place, and, and people were getting saved, and they were, so, they were so transformed that they were confessing, this is in my life, I need to get rid of it. And they're beginning to get rid of all those magic books. All these things happened, and it said, because of all those things, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And, and I looked at the word, I kind of, I'm pretty much sure, sure I knew what mightily was, but I wanted to look up the word prevailed. And this is what the word prevail means. The Greek word, when you, when you break it down, the word prevail means becomes a force. I like that, Robert. When, when we, when the word of God begins to grow in your life and in your heart and, and in your family, it becomes a force to be reckoned with. But here's the deal. This is my own thinking. If you're not willing to enforce it, it will not become a force. Moms and dads, you've got to begin to enforce the word so it, become, so it, becomes, it can become a force in your home. It can change you and it can change your household. The word of God has got to rise up in your homes. These people, they thought, man, these magic books are great. But when God came in, the magic books went in the dump. And the, the word of God grew mightily in them and became a force in their lives. You know, when we dedicated our children today, I told you I read from Deuteronomy 6. In the last verse, in the last part of that, verse 9 says, You shall write them, the words of God, on the doorpost of your heart and on the, on, of your house and on your gates. The word of God needs to be in your home. I remember another home we went to. There was, there was a lot of demonic activity. A lot of you go, well, I don't want to get that. I, listen, I don't either. It, it's just not, it's not cool. You go in a house and they see things move and they see red eyes in the corner of the room and there, there's levitation going on. Listen, it happens. People that are involved in witchcraft get into all these things and listen, they open the doors to it. So we went to this one home and, and did a house cleaning. So what, what can we do here? And I said, well, the first thing you do is get all your Halloween pictures off the wall. They were, they were celebrating the skulls and the, and the, the d- demonic stuff. That was, it was hanging on their wall like decorations. I mean, who decorates her house like that? I think I'll put a skull over here. Death, I love that. That's just so cool. Doesn't that look good with my bedspread? Seriously. <laughs> you see, if you're walking in a counterfeit faith, you'll allow things to happen in your life. And you'll be deceived. Jesus said this in Mark 13, 21. Regarding end times, he said, then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ or look, he is there. Do not believe it for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. I think it's high time that we become real and we become serious about our faith, church. I believe that we're in the end times. Maybe not, but I believe that we are. I believe that we're in those times that it says perilous times will come. And in the end, the times will be like this. And you begin to read it and it says, oh, that describes us. I believe we're in those days and there are going to be false prophets that are going to come. They're going to try to deceive you. They're going to people come say, I'm the Messiah. and They're going to try to deceive people. Here's the thing. If you don't know the real, you're not going to know the false. If you're really not concrete in the word, listen, this, this isn't just about false prophets. It's about false teachers. It's about false teaching. 
If you don't know the word of God, somebody can spit. They can give you a line and you'll just hook, line, and sing. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds wonderful. Wiccan faith. Oh, yeah, that sounds cool. They're all about nature. Go read some of that crud that's offered up in all the bookstores. Walmart, man, you can buy I don't know how many different kind of books on Wiccan, and it's all about casting spells and charms. And they're all over this city. Did y'all know that Wiccans live in San Angelo? We had a Wiccan come to our church for weeks upon end. Weeks upon end, sat right there. Right there until some of our intercessor ladies confronted him. Yeah, he said, nobody else has caught on to me. He was here speaking spells and curses over us. And we're just like, he's up there praising God. He said, I should do like your worship. There may be somebody here this morning that's a plant. You've come in here to bring wreak havoc and bring division in this body. In Jesus' name, if, if that, that, that person's here, we just bind up the, the power of witchcraft in you. And we, lose, we lose Jesus Christ as, as, from the hounds of heaven to go after you. They're here, people. This is one of the most hotbeds of satanic religion in the country is in West Texas. Did you know that? Well, guess what? It's also a hotbed for meth. They kind of go together. Witchcraft and meth, man, and drugs. Man, they go hand in hand. Because actually the word witchcraft is from the, the word pharmakeia, which we get our word pharmaceuticals from. I have talked with, I know, i got time. I've talked with guys that are now believers. He, this guy, his name's Paul, man. He loves Jesus. And he says he used, to be a, he used to be in the manufacturing business of drugs in Mexico. And he said when we would mix in up those drugs, and I don't know how they mixed them up, bathtubs or whatever, he said we would pray incantations and curses everything demonic we could pray we would pray over those drugs so you weren't just getting drugs you're getting all the other stuff too see things like that people all that doesn't go it goes on it goes on you may not be a part of that but listen we've got to do everything we can to get authentic about our faith and serious about our faith i want to be able to recognize the false the phony don't leave it up just up to me because you're going to be approached at your front door by people saying, let me tell you the, the, the better way. Let me tell you the right way. And then they're going to start mixing things. They'll start mixing things about their religion to suck you in because they're going to talk all good things about Jesus Christ. But when the bottom line comes, they're not going to admit that he's the son of God. You know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. <sighs> it is. They mix. They mix things. Guys, we just can't, we can't partner with mixing. You know what? If you take the truth and mix it with a lie, you know what you got? A lie. It's true. We need to get back to the real. You've heard it. You've heard it so many times. The FBI, and I don't even know if this is true. I just heard it a lot of times. The FBI that deals with counterfeit bills, all they do is study the real ones so they can identify the fake ones. They've got to know the real ones. Well, if we know the real Jesus, we're going to be able to identify the fake ones. I'm going to close with John 17. Because God really does want you to know him through his son, Jesus. That was his prayer. Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this, listen, church, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus said, if you want to know God the Father, you've got to know God the Son. You can't separate them. And he said, I want, to, I want to show you that this is not just about your faith. It's about what you do with your faith. In verse 20, when he actually the prayer turns to us, he's speaking about us. He says, I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We are those people that have believed because of their word that it's come down to us. And Jesus Christ has come to live within us, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. And here's the reason that the world may believe that you sent me. Are you living such an authentic life that when the world looks at you, they see Jesus? That they see Jesus. I read a story this week about a, a group of businessmen. They were about to miss their flight in Chicago, O'Hare Airport. True story. They were about to miss their flight, and they were trying to get home last flight of the night. And they were running through the airport. Anybody ever run through an airport? And there was a blind girl. There was a blind girl there, and she was selling apples. And, man, one of the guys in their group just didn't intend to but hit that cart and knocked the apples, and they went everywhere. And those guys, man, they knew they had to make their flight, so they just kept running, all but one of them. He said, you guys go and call my wife, tell her I'll be late. You know what he did? He went back and picked up every one of the apples, and he put them in her cart. And the ones that were bruised and, and ruined, he said, he said, ma'am, he said, I am so sorry. He said, I'm going to give you $20 for the bad apples that we destroyed. And that woman could not see him. Couldn't see him. But she said, sir, are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? That's what I want people to look at me. I want them to look at you. And when they're going through difficult times and things in their life, I want people to go because of what we bring to them. And they say, are you Jesus? Because we're supposed to be Jesus. He just says it right here. He said, I am in you and you are in me. Do we look like Jesus? Would you stand this morning? I'm going to have the ministry team to the front. I want to encourage you while they're coming to Wednesday night is going to be a powerful night as we display life groups and life group pastors and testimonies. We encourage you to get involved in a life group. As the Holy Spirit leads you, just get involved in a life group this, this fall. We're starting really quickly, so just bow your heads and close your eyes. I know this for some of you may be way out there and you're thinking this is just too extreme. And Jesus went to the extreme. He's called us to the extreme. He said for us to take up our cross. And guess what? A cross is heavy. He said take up our cross every day and follow him. He gave an an extreme sacrifice. And he's called us to be extreme in our faith, to be genuine in our faith. So this morning, maybe you have just been sitting on the sidelines. You have been you've not been involved. You, you, you're just you're just trying to get by and you really have not engaged with the true Jesus. And you kind of want to go in on the coattails of something else or somebody else. But today, God's calling you to an authentic selling out of yourselves to know Jesus Christ. He says, I'm, this is eternal life to know me and to know my son. Do you have eternal life this morning? Because if you do, it will show. 
there will be a result. And it will be, it will be a blessing to you and it will be a blessing to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just invite you to come this morning if you need prayer for anything. Just step out and come. Step out.